Welcome back to the show. I'm Travis Chappell, and I believe that if you can connect with the best, you can become the best. So after creating 800 podcast episodes about building your network, I've come to realize that networking is really just making friends. If you're doing it the right way, anyway. Join me as I make friends with world-class athletes like Shaquille O'Neal, entertainers like Rob Deerdeck, authors like Dr. Nicole LaPera, former presidents like Vicente Fox, or even the occasional FBI hostage negotiator, billionaire real estate mogul, or polarizing political figure. So if you want to make more friends that help you become a better version of yourself, then subscribe to the show and keep on listening because this is Travis Makes Friends. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Freestyle Friday, where we just kind of do what we want. Let's go ahead and start with the quote of the week. This week's quote comes from Ed Milet. He says, extremity expands capacity. Now, I have known of Ed's material for a really long time. I had him on my podcast for the first time back in 2018, I believe. And I had him again on my podcast last year when he was coming out with his book, The Power of One More. And during that conversation, uh, we talked about a multitude of things that were included in the book. But one of the things that really stood out to me was he said this phrase, extremity expands capacity. And I had him expound on it. And it was one of those one of those things that just caught my ear at the right time. And it just made complete and perfect sense to me. And I tried to implement it as much as I could. But all he was saying is basically when you do something to the extreme, which is the opposite of what culture tells you to do, culture tells you to, you know, be balanced and dip your toe in the water and don't dive in head first and all these other things. But when you do something to the extreme version of that thing, you figure out what your capacity is to do that thing. And it's probably much higher than you thought it was if you wouldn't have put yourself through the extreme version of that thing, if that makes sense. So let me give you a real life example of something that I did after I had this conversation with Ed. And I ran a 38 mile race with me and a couple of friends. It was really just a run. We weren't you know, racing for anything. It wasn't official. Uh, but uh, a buddy of mine, uh, Trevor was turning 38. He was going to run 38 miles on his 38th birthday. So me and my buddy Daniel decided that we were going to do that with him. We started at midnight on his birthday. We didn't get any sleep and we ran from midnight all the way to 9am and did 38 miles. And before before that, I had never even done a half marathon, let alone a full marathon or an ultra marathon. And I wasn't really fully trained for it or anything like that, but I pushed myself to do it. And oh my gosh, we might do a full episode on this sometime to just walk you through everything because we have footage and everything that I was taking during that whole run. Uh, but it was one of the craziest, craziest experiences of my life taught me a lot about myself. There were so many moments during that during that time that I wanted to quit. Um, my my feet got messed up. I had this massive blister on my left foot within three miles of the of, of starting the run, uh, but completed the full 38 miles. And it was an example of extremity expanding capacity. I didn't know what my body, what I was capable of, what I was mentally capable of until I pushed myself beyond uh, the limits that I thought were already imposed on me by my own self. So uh, when I went some, when I went to the extreme, the capacity expanded and my mindset completely changed around what I am capable of doing uh, because of that moment of extremity. So extremity expands capacity and apply this to whatever you're trying to get better at, at, at selling. Well, take an insane amount of sales calls, go knock on an insane amount of doors, go to the extreme with it. Oh, you want to get better at the piano? Well, practice for four hours a day. Like do like go whatever you're trying to do, whatever you're trying to excel at, whatever you're trying to win in, 
Do it to its fullest extreme because that will teach you that you are so much more capable than you think that you are. Because if you keep just doing this dip your toes in and just kind of test it out and try it out before you ever do anything to its fullest extent, then you will never really fully understand what you're truly capable of and you will miss your potential. So extremity expands capacity. Thank you to Ed uh, for the continued mentorship and advice. I always appreciate uh, the one-on-one chats that we get to have uh, and in uh, some of the group trainings I've been a part of, hearing you speak all the time. Uh, really, really love your stuff, Ed. Appreciate you. And that is it for the quote of the week. Now let's get into this week's hot take. You have been sold a lot of lies. Hate to be the one to break it to you, but you have. And we're going to go through some of those lies on some of these Freestyle Friday episodes. And so this is lies you've been told. Number 142, if you're not upgrading your life, you're failing. Well, I got some news for you. Life isn't linear. I fell into this trap early on in my 20s and the first five years of our marriage, my wife and I moved around 10 times. And every time we moved, we upgraded. We just accumulated more shit because we thought that's what you're supposed to do. By the last time when we moved to our home in Las Vegas, we had a massive rent payment and we filled the biggest U-Haul that you could get to move into that new house. Then something amazing happened. And all of the salespeople that were with me at the time building this water purification um, sales force, they quit. And I had two choices, rebuild a sales team that I didn't want and or start selling more myself again to support my lifestyle or downgrade my lifestyle and figure out the new path that I actually wanted to be on. And luckily, I learned enough about myself during that time period to get out of the upgrade matrix and turn back to the original goal. The the original goal, the thing that I wanted to solve for in life, which is to build a life I didn't want to retire from. Because that's true retirement to me, right? Had I stayed in the big house, I wouldn't have been able to pay all of my bills with a startup side hustle that I had going on. I would have had to keep doing the thing that I didn't love just to keep up pretense that I was doing well. We got rid of the expenses. Uh, we got rid of the, the rent payment, which was over 3K a month with rent and utilities and moved into my brother-in-law's apartment with him. We sold or threw away most of our shit and our new payment with utilities was around 550 bucks a month. And my side hustle business ended up doing about $50,000 that year. So then the next year, because I was able to actually focus on it full-time, it ended up doing over $400,000. And then the next year, we started a software company and raised over a million dollars to to build that software company. And then last year, my agency went from zero to $1 million in revenue in just eight months. And now we bought another house with a next gen apartment attached to it that we rent out, got a killer interest rate, you know, less than 3% of the time. And our payment with utilities is still significantly less than it was in the first house that we moved to, but we own this one and we get rent payments from the one bedroom apartment that we have attached to the house. And guess what? I still drive a paid off Camry and a paid off Tundra. I don't have the latest iPhone. My TV is like four or five years old. It, it doesn't, it's not 4k. Um, my, the, the sound system that I have isn't even synced to the TV. I, we lost the remote for the TV. I turn it on with my hand and then I have to make sure that the sound bar syncs up with it. We just, we just, we haven't bought new furniture in years. We have the same furniture. We have the same cars, the same TV, but in that same period of time, I've also invested over $400,000 into myself. I've put money into a couple angel investments and real estate syndications, and I've loaned money to others to earn some interest as well. You do not need to upgrade your life constantly. Upgrading your lifestyle is typically not a sign of massively increased earnings. It's typically a sign of undisciplined spending for the sake of keeping up with the Joneses. As always, how do we know we aren't believing this lie? Number one. 
if you had to go without income tomorrow, how long could you last without losing everything? And if it's less than six months, then there's some work to do regarding your spending and or saving habits or your earning ability. Number two, do your monthly payments add up to more than 75% of your monthly income? If so, you need to start measuring things you buy in terms of how much it costs to you total, not how much the monthly payment is. The only thing outside of you know services like insurance and things like that that you should need to be making payments on is the place that you live. And if you need a car payment, it should be less than 5% of your monthly income, maybe 10% or something like that. Number three, have you put more money into things you didn't need than you have into investments, including yourself? The same people that complain about never having money are the same people who will drop $3,000 on a new TV and a sound bar and then call a coaching program a scam or a waste of money. You are your number one asset. Only you have the ability to control how much money that you can make. So now the last question to ask yourself is this, and it's probably the most important one. How do you want your life to play out? And for me, I don't want to have to work by the time I'm in my 40s, let alone my 60s. I want to spend my life doing the things that I want to do, not what I have to do. So for me, it makes sense to work hard, take big risks, invest in myself, delay buying toys and cars and nice houses and all that other stuff that most people get themselves into because every dollar that goes into frivolous nonsense could go into my business to give me more time or generate more money, or it can go into myself to earn me more time or more money or into an investment that earns me more money or gives me more time. And until I'm at the point where I don't have to work, that's the lens through which I make my financial decisions. So do not fall for the lie that upgrading is necessary, or you might just be the person who retires from your first job at 62 and then has to go get a retirement job just to be able to afford a double wide and a car payment. Do the work to figure out what you want, what you need, and see if you're on track. And if you're not, don't be afraid to downgrade. There's absolutely no shame in making the smart decision, taking a few steps back so that you can take a few more steps forward. And that's it for today's hot take. Now it is time for the breakdown where we are going to talk about how the hell Grant Cardone built a multi-billion dollar multifamily real estate portfolio in less than eight years. So how on earth did Grant Cardone, a child of immigrants, an ex-drug addict, and former car salesman, build a multi-billion dollar real estate portfolio in the last couple of years? Well, I'll tell you what, he didn't win the lottery, he didn't inherit a few million dollars, or get a hand from Scientology. Well, I mean, at least I think, anyway. The answer is actually much, much more simple. It's easy to get lost thinking about the money. But to really understand how he's built his empire, you need to understand that his primary currency is actually not money. It's attention. If you've been on social media for any length of time, you've likely seen Grant Cardone's face pop up in your feed. Love him or hate him, you know who he is and you know his name. And that is kind of the point. It's his mission to make sure that 8 billion people know his name. That's his core mission in his main company and all the other companies that he now owns. I know this because he said it recently at a private mastermind that I attended in Cabo with him, his wife, key members of his staff. There's only 20, 25 of us. So he got really, really raw and honest about the things that they have internally inside of the company. So the thing that I took notice of is that he didn't say that he wanted to get 8 billion people to like him. He said that he wanted them to just know him. 
Just know his name. Because the reality is a lot of people are not going to like him. His own business partner in Cardone Ventures, Brandon Dawson, didn't like him initially. The first way that he got introduced to Grant was he saw a video of Grant throwing cash out of a money machine, like money guns, in front of his private jet. And his first thought was, this guy is a major douchebag. But now they run a multi-nine-figure education company together. The lesson is that it's not really just about being liked at first but about becoming familiar with who you are and what your brand is because familiarity breeds trust. People will start to trust you over time if you can continue to deliver on the promises that you're making and you continue to provide value over time. It becomes about awareness and attention and then you earn that trust over a long period of time. In the time that I've spent with Grant personally, I've seen him go out of his way to reframe entrepreneurs' minds to think about outspending their competition, not just out-earning them. And that's exactly how Grant was able to build a multi-billion dollar real estate portfolio without doing it the, tra- the traditional way. Because most people who go raise this type of money, they're going to family offices and they're writing them $75 million checks and $30 million checks and $12 million checks. But instead, Grant went to the masses and he raised both through wealthy individuals and accredited investors at first, but then also opened his fund up to non-accredited investors for people who can put in $500, $1,000, $10,000, $5,000 checks. And that was the bulk of the money that he's raised is through these non-accredited investors, which is incredible if you think about how many different investors would have to invest in order to reach the number that he's raised. It's an insane, insane amount of money, but he's done that because he was able to earn trust with a large segment of the population over a longer period of time because he focused on bringing attention rather than making sure that his ROI was there at the very, very beginning. So what can you do in your business to earn more attention that can turn into trust at a later time? And that is a wrap on today's breakdown. So let's go ahead and jump into the Q&A. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash 
Travis. Just go to Indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. All right, before we jump into the Q&A, I have a review of the week and a question of my own to follow up with this. Uh, this one is from ZZ Alex D ZZ. Uh, it says favorite podcast. Not only have I learned so much from this podcast, but it's been motivating and inspiring and I'm working my way through all of the past podcasts. So Travis, my first question to you is there's 800 plus episodes. What are like the three tentpole episodes you'd say someone should listen to if they want to get a feel for the show? Oh gosh. Um, Shaq because it's, it's Shaq. That was our biggest episode. Quite literally. A Grant Cardone. Uh, because I feel like we didn't talk, we didn't do the normal, you know, Grant Cardone interview. So I would say that was a good representation of uh, the type of content that we try to do on the show. And then uh, let's go with Molly Bloom, uh, just because I like Molly and she's awesome. And thank you for the ratings and the reviews, guys. It's it's always super helpful. And uh, if you have any comments, questions, thoughts, we'd love to hear them in the ratings reviews over on Apple Podcasts, shoot me an email, Travis at TravisChapel.com, or drop a comment on YouTube or Instagram. You know where to find me. Uh, but we love seeing these reviews come in. So thank you very much. So this question I want to ask you was actually asked three years ago. Okay. But I'm curious to know if anything's changed because a lot of episode episodes. Because <laughs> a lot <laughs> I'm curious to know if anything's changed because a lot of these episodes Don't have been recorded out. in the last Don't you three dare years. Cut that out. God damn it. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> Hold on. Let me re-ask it. You started over like you're going to cut out your mistake when it should just be left in. This is a candid conversation, Eric. <laughs> this first question, such an asshole. This first question was originally asked three years ago, and uh, but a, a lot has happened in the last three years. We've covered this. <laughs> Why have we been over this already? Oh, man. What's the question? A lot's changed. <laughs> In the last three years, this question, some kids know if your answers change. I'm doing my best to give you good questions, and this is what happens. Um, it says, which interviews, if any, challenged or even changed some of your core beliefs? And how have those changes spilled into other aspects of your life other than business? And they said, I think I may know a little bit of your answer, but I want to hear you expound on it. Yeah, that's a really good question. And the answer is yes. There's been quite a few conversations that have at minimum challenged beliefs or uh, got me to think a little bit differently. Um, but it's not even just the conversation that I had with the person on the show. It's like, uh, like when I interviewed uh, Mark Manson, Mark just has a lot of really great philosophical like concepts and ideas that can change the way that you think about things. And I would say that a lot of those challenges happened to me kind of even while I was prepping for the interview, it wasn't even, it wasn't even necessarily anything that was said during the actual interview itself. It was just that I consumed a lot of his content in preparation for the interview. And before I even thought I could get him on the show, uh, cause you know, he's sold, I don't know, close to 10 million copies of his book. So he's, you know, he get, gets a, quite a few requests, uh, like that one. So I wasn't even sure that I could get him on the show, but I, I'd already, I was already a fan of uh, some of the work that he put out. So that's a good example of somebody who's challenged, uh, belief systems of mine, um, or, or given me more of like a systematic way to process things that I had already thought, if that makes sense. Like sometimes when you're working through a belief system, you, 
if you're if you're going off of only one operating system, the only one that you've ever operated on, if any thought comes into that operating system that's been programmed to be deleted by that operating system, you immediately start questioning your ability to even question properly or to think properly or to work through something. So hearing it articulated from somebody who has worked through those thoughts can really be almost just confirmation that I'm asking myself the right questions, yeah. uh, but also a, a challenge to some of the you know thought processes thought processes that I'd had. So if you like rewind the clock to the time that I started the podcast until now, almost everything about me is different, um, including some of my core beliefs. So that's one example of, of some of the content that I've consumed for the purpose of doing the podcast. Uh, it wasn't necessarily, you know, something that was said on the show. Uh, but there's, there's things like that that happen fairly frequently. Even, um, we recorded earlier on in this episode about extremity expands capacity. Like that was one of those, it seems so obvious after you hear it, but then when it's articulated so clearly and succinctly mm -hmm. and then explained by somebody who's, yeah. who's actually seen the results happen in his life, somebody who did go to the extreme, like Ed Milet worked whatever, 14 hour days when he was dead broke showering in the pool shower of a hotel because they couldn't afford to pay the water bill at their apartment. And now he's worth like a half a billion dollars, owns a private island, a house in Laguna, a house on the lake in Coeur d'Alene, and like has built his life in an amazing way. Uh, when you see somebody like that who has lived the principle out and not just thought about it, but has proven it with action, um, that, yeah, those things have the ability to really stick in your mind and, and change the way that you see something. Yeah. Uh, ben says, what is something you wish you did more of when you were younger? Uh, messing around. I, I, I just wish I would have, I wish I would have, uh, I, I don't know. It sounds so kind of tried to say it, but like enjoyed the, my youth a little bit no. more. Like I wish I would have been willing to break more rules when I was growing up. Cause I, I was such a rule follower. I can't wait and, till your kids start listening to your yeah, podcast. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, I, I was such a rule follower that it, it prevented me from like having as, as many, I don't know, I guess stories or, I, I feel like I didn't take advantage of the time in my life where the stakes weren't high. If yeah. you messed up, if that makes sense. It's I, like, like, I don't, I don't wish that I was out smoking crack and getting arrested. Like, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about like just random stupid stuff that like, I was worried about my reputation as yeah. a, like a 13 year old. And it's like, okay, but you're 13. Like you have, you have the ability to like go do some things that aren't necessarily like that are against the rules, yeah. but they're not going to kill you. And at the end of the day, it's probably just going to be a funny story later. And you had a good time with your friends. You made memories with them. And uh, yeah, I just wish I would have been a little bit less worried about the rules. Um, it, it, it's funny because like I am not intrinsically at my core a rule follower. And I'm very much somebody who uh, bucks authority, but only when it doesn't make sense to me. So even growing up, I was a good like the good kid in school or whatever. But Whenever I would challenge authority, because I would challenge authority fairly often, it was always if I did not understand what they were trying to say mm -hmm. to me, or there was not a reason for for the for the rule. But you know, for the for the most part, all the other ones, I believed in the core, um, you know, rules behind the rules that was like driving most of the rules. Yeah. So I would I would follow all the rules. So I, I wish when I was younger, I, I would have done more stuff like that. But you know, at the same time, I don't know. Everybody has their path because like I'm I'm also very grateful that you know, from the time that I was 12 to the time that I was 20, I did so many things. Yeah. Like I 
played guitar. I sang, I went on tour and sang in like yeah. all the, of, around the whole country. It was a gospel men's quartet, but I still like had that experience. Um, I played in chess tournaments and I did like duet acting and I did humorous interpretation speeches, which was basically just like my senior year. I did like a, a Brian Regan comedy yeah. sketch and won first place in this competition or whatever doing that. So like I, I, I was the captain of the Bible quiz team and I was in the preaching contest and I was played a ton of basketball. I played football. I did ping pong. Like I, I did so many things because there, I'd never had any downtime. Whenever I had downtime, I was doing something like I was playing guitar or learning a new skill or act, doing a new activity. And I think a lot of that prepared me for the type of stuff that I do now and fed into a lot of stuff I do now. Like I used to do photography and videography. Yeah. There's all this stuff that like I forget about. It feels like a past life because it legitimately was. Um, and so I, I, like I say, I say that I wish I would have just like kind of hung out more, but I liked, you know, I liked doing a lot of stuff at that time. Yeah. I went snowboarding and I would, I would like, I would get, I would go really obsessive on a skill for like a period of time and then go do another thing and then go do another thing. And we did skateboarding for a few months and then, you know what I mean? So I'm really happy that I used a lot of my youth to just go try and a bunch of stuff like that. Uh, but I wish I would just would have been more, uh, willing to, to like break some rules yeah. just to have fun a again as long as the stakes weren't like, oh, we're, we're drinking and driving, not yeah, stupid shit, right. you know what I mean? But just like fun things that were technically not what I was supposed to be doing or whatever. No, I told my mom that the other day. I said, if, if I'd realized how little everything mattered when I was in yeah. high school, I would have been a very different kid. Yeah. Um, but I feel the same way. Like, I'm glad I had the guardrails where I didn't go, you know, because I know the kids that like went far, far out the deep end. Right. Um, but I also know people that had more guardrails than me and then they went off, oh, the, off deep the deep end anyway. exactly yeah. so yeah. but yeah I, I agree like just those fun things and like not have as much guilt like i look back and like if my kids turn out as good as i was in high school i'll be pretty happy yeah right right <laughs> like um and i wouldn't have felt that way in high school i've been like Man, i was the worst kid you know right There's so much pressure that was not needed um but anyway um my uh, this next question says how did you find a producer who's as talented as he is good looking let me see the question uh, it's just right here. Can I, can you show it's that to me? It's right there. That doesn't, it's right there. Uh, oh, yeah. looks like that was asked by my producer. Oh, uh, let's go to a different so. one. Uh, <laughs> someone said, uh, you're interviewing a ton of high level guests. Uh, but how do you keep connections with them? Do you follow up every couple of months to say hello? I mean, obviously you're not BFFs with all 800 guests you've had on the yeah. show. I don't think. No, no, you're right. Okay. Yeah, so, surprisingly. so for the ones that you do gel with or the ones you want to have a relationship with, like, how do you maintain those relationships? Yeah, it's tough because um, it, it, sometimes you just don't you don't vibe with the like they may they may have done a great job and you may have had decent rapport on the conversation. But then sometimes they have no desire to continue right. a relationship or sometimes you just like sometimes I get off an interview. I'm like, they were good, but like they're not my people. And sometimes um, it's the ones that like going into it, I know you're going like, Oh, I'm so excited to talk to this huge name. Yeah. And then I see you get off those calls and you're like, I did not like that. person. I was underwhelmed. I did not yeah. like that experience. And then sometimes it's people where it's like, Oh yeah, they've got like this smaller bit. And then it's like, they do become like, right. BFF, you yeah. Know? Like, like they were super cool or uh, whatever. Yeah. yeah. So I try to, uh, I try to, uh, throw dinners, uh, which is kind of a big hack for me. I know a, a friend of mine, Nick does, uh, like writes, like wrote a book about this and teaches, you know, cocktail parties and 
and networking at events and things like that. Um, and I'm, I'm a big fan of doing that myself. So like once every like three to five months, I'll throw together a dinner and I'll invite out all of my past guests mm. to that dinner, as well as like some investors in my company, some of our key clients in my business. And I put like all those people in a room together. And it's a really great way for me to re-engage with them. Some of them, I never even met them in person, but they'll come out to Vegas for an in-person dinner event. And it's like, we like they walk into the door. They're, you yeah. know, it's a it's like 40 person event that I invited everybody to. And I'm like, who's that? <laughs> who's who's yeah, that person? Because right. we've met on Zoom like three years ago, but now they're randomly walking in and they get to meet other people in my network. It's a great way to like stay engaged with people, stay in front of people and continue to add value. Because that's the thing is like, you just need to build and maintain the relationships. And and um, uh, Harvey McKay wrote a book a while, long time ago called Dig Your Well Before You're Thirsty. And it's the same concept. It's like, I don't need or want anything from the people that I'm inviting out to these dinners for the most part. It's just a matter of continuing to stay involved, continuing to add value, continuing to be like, hey, look, I'm a valuable person to stay in contact with over the long haul. Um, so I'll try to do stuff like that. Uh, another way, another kind of quick content hack, something that we do a lot is, and something that we used to do a lot. And now we're going to be starting to do again with our new format of the show is we do these mashup episodes where we, we pull clips from a bunch of past interviews where, you know, three to five people that we've had on the show in the past. And what it allows us to do is, first of all, it allows us to have a new episode release every week, but it's very topic central. So we'll say something like, you know, real estate investing, and we'll go pull five or six guests from the past mm -hmm. who talked about real estate investing. We clip them together into like one conglomerate mashup episode. What that allows us to do is when that episode is released, we get to go back to all of those people that contributed to that episode yeah. and be like, hey, we're releasing more content with you in it. We get to tag them on social. We get to share it. And sometimes, you know, those people like uh, one of our recent uh, clips that we shared, uh, Grant Cardone shared on his, on his Instagram story and it got a ton of views and a, and a bunch of traffic. Yeah. Same with Elena. Um, but there's several, several things like that that we'll try to do just to like get back into their world a little bit and be like, Oh yeah, that was a good conversation that I have with Travis, you know? And like, right. and, you know, we, I'm sure, I'm sure there are some things that we could do to tighten up all that process. But, uh, but those are a couple of the things that we do to try to re-engage It's like, let's throw some dinner events. Let's bring some people out. Expenses are on me. I just want to re-engage and, and build solid relationships with great people. And then also the content thing is something that anybody can do. If yeah. you don't have the budget to throw a five or $10,000 dinner once a quarter or something like that, then just, you know, uh, do another episode release every week. You got to have some sort of a bank of episodes, obviously. Like if you yeah. only have 30 episodes, it's going to be difficult to pull clips from those and maintain that on a weekly basis moving forward. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that, that's been a great, not only do, not only does the audience really love it, but it does give us a chance to re-engage a lot of our past guests, which is great. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, we've talked on this episode a lot about sacrifice and you've talked about downgrading, downsizing. I want to know the inverse of this, like when you want to treat yourself and when you want to say like, I'm going to do something for Travis, what do you find yourself doing? Like if you're going to treat yourself, what does that look like? Uh, usually something experiential. I'm very much more of an experienced person than I like a things person, you know? So, uh, sometimes, so a lot of times for me, that's a weekend trip to Laguna or, uh, or even just a nice dinner here in Vegas. Like I'll get my, my parents to watch our kids and then I take Jackie out and we go get a really nice dinner somewhere on the strip or something like that. Um, it's, it's seldom that we do anything extravagant like that, but I do think it's really important. So like, so like one thing that we try to do every year is we try to do like a friend's trip and it's usually based around my birthday, not because like I love celebrating my birthday, but, uh, mainly because my birthday is August 31st. So it's like, 
at the perfect time of the year where most people are taking vacations and like not doing business. So it gives us an excuse. Like we'll go book a trip for like a week to like Lake Tahoe or to Mexico or something like that. And we invite out a bunch of our friends to go to it with us. And we, you know, we cover a decent amount of some of the expenses for some of our friends that aren't in business or whatever. So, uh, it's, it's kind of an excuse to go spend a little bit of money, relax, do absolutely nothing except for hang out with people that we love and care about. Um, and then, uh, uh, and it, yeah, uh, stuff like that. Like we, we like to, I've, you know, I've been to 30 something countries, 30 somethings of the 50 States. Uh, I like to travel, I like to go places, experience things. You know, we go to a Las Vegas show, go to a nice dinner. I like, I like that. I like that a lot more than I like, uh, you know, just getting a new TV or whatever. Sure. Sure. Well, that's the questions I have for today's episode. If Sweet. you have a question, be sure to keep an eye out on Instagram, Facebook, jump in the DMs, drop a comment on this video. If you're listening on the podcast, there's a billion ways to connect in the show notes. So uh, drop your question and we'll cover them on the next Freestyle Friday. Yeah, that's right. And if you're if you're leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or something like that, be sure to drop your Instagram handle so that we can give you some recognition on social because yeah, Apple sometimes just auto generates crazy usernames that make no sense. And there's no way for us to actually know who left the review. So uh, if you're leaving something in Apple or even shooting me an email or something, always link back to your Instagram because uh, that's probably the best way that we know how to let you know if your question was answered or if your story was told or whatever. So um, I'm at Travis Chapel over on Instagram, tag me, ask me anything, and we will cover it here on a future episode. Thanks guys. That's it for today's episode. Thanks for spending some time with me and my friends. If you want to be better friends with me, then head over to travischapel.com slash team to subscribe to my free newsletter, Your Friend Travis, where I share what's on my mind about life, building a business, raising kids, being married, and anything else I would normally share with my close circle of friends. That's travischapel.com slash team. And my biggest ask of you since I'm sharing my friends with you is to share this episode with a friend of yours that hasn't listened to the show yet and leave us a quick five-star rating in Apple Podcasts and in Spotify. It would mean the world to us as it helps us make sure that this show continues to be more valuable to you. Thanks in advance, and I'll catch you on the next episode. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.